Welcome to Entrepreneur Talks. I'm your host, Roxanne Barza. This week, our guest is Nicola Julia, who's the co-founder and CEO of Sorar. Sorar is building the next generation of sports games on Web3, where fans can play with skin in the game, meaning that it's a fantasy football game where you can buy, trade, and play with officially licensed NFTs. Yeah, sounds pretty technical. So to help me with this podcast, this is the first edition where I have a co-host who is also the co-founder and CEO of a station app startup from the Founders Program and part of the Future 40. Clarice, it's great to have you with us from Defense. I'm not going to pitch Defense because I know I won't do it justice, so I'm going to let you do that. Thank you, Roxanne. Well, it's pretty simple. Defense provides security to crypto and we're developer tools, so pure API provider. We want to empower creators of Web3 to actually build on a safe infrastructure. Super. And just very quickly, your background, how did you end up doing this? Good question. Uh, actually, I come from investment banking, so that's not, you know, I don't come from cybersecurity and I'm not an engineer, uh, but I had the opportunity to actually uh, do a consulting role for a startup that was doing an ICO and I discovered the pain that was to actually safekeeping tokens. I discovered that it was even more painful for B2B, for businesses. And so I was like, all right, blockchain is going to be a big thing. I need to do something about it. Awesome. And you guys have become one of the hot companies on campus, if I do say so myself. Tell us a little bit about who you are working with and who you hope to work with. So once again, developer tool, B2B focused. So we're empowering crypto startups, crypto scale-ups, exchanges, but also TradFi. So all institutional world that is transitioning to defense are what we're securing is cryptos, but also NFTs. So any gaming platform as well uh, needs some security and we're here to provide them with the right tool. Great. Well, let's jump into the podcast and I'm going to count on you for all of the NFT crypto questions. Of course. This podcast is supported by TikTok. TikTok is a key platform for businesses. By constantly making sure that the platform remains a safe place for everyone, TikTok offers a welcoming and positive environment where companies can express themselves in their most authentic way. So what if TikTok was the asset your business needs today to thrive tomorrow? Hi, Nicola. It's great to have you with us today. Hi, I'm excited to do it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. And I'm here with Clarisse, who's the co-founder and CEO of Defense. Hi, everyone. Wonderful. So, Nicola, I have a, kind of a, a weird question for you, although I'm sure you've heard it many times. I mean, Sorar has kind of built up this incredible aura. You guys have, I feel like, every hot buzzword in the project, Web3, NFTs. But this company was actually launched back in 2018 when NFTs actually weren't as hot and nobody was really talking about Web3. So I want to know, did you, how did you, how did you know that this was going to become a thing? What, what signs did you see? Yeah, so um, I've been in the crypto space for seven years now. Uh, so I, I bet my career uh, on it uh, in, in 15, 2015. Um, and I was in this company called Stratum before Sorel, uh, which um, which is a company that is uh, providing uh, uh, SaaS uh, product uh, for big corporates, uh, leveraging the Bitcoin blockchain. And uh, uh, that's where I met my co-founder, Adrien. And so we were close to, you know, everything new in crypto uh, and, and looking at all, all these uh, innovations uh, in what we call now like Web3. 
and uh, it was in late 17, early 18, we, we saw NFTs, like the NFT standard, the technical definition popping up on the Ethereum blockchain and, uh, and the very early projects, uh, CryptoKitties and so on. And we were like, okay, this only projects look a bit weird, um, but uh, the un the underlying technology is amazing. Uh, that and and it's going to change the way people own stuff online because NFTs are the way uh, are a way to you know to authenticate and, um, and 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 secure digital stuff. And we were like, that's 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 going to be huge. And when we were looking at the properties of these NFTs, one thing that uh, uh, that was uh, very compelling to us is the digital scarcity element and the fact that um, you know you, you, can, you can create digital scarcity because uh, of NFTs and we know that human beings have been collecting stuff in the physical world for centuries and and know our lives are becoming digital and we have a technology that can um, you know enable to collect online so so that that's how we got started basically and then um, then yeah we, we we brought the the players and the leagues, and we brought all the utility value with the games that we are building on top of these NFTs. But but that's the early story of why we got excited about uh, about NFTs. Wow! It just sounds like you saw so many little signals and managed to see so far ahead. <laughs> no, it's it's all about conviction, right? You see something, and 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 then you decide to to bet. Like when when I saw the NFT technology, I was like, okay, it's, it's going to be huge. It's going to be a platform that is as big as uh, the mobile shift or the web one shift, uh, but then the question is when, and, and the when you you don't have the answer, right? So uh, you, you need to be resilient enough so that the moment it starts to strike in the mainstream, uh, you are here <laughs> in a strong position, um, and so we have been lucky to be here uh, in this good position when NFT started to become a thing. I think uh, in March last year or something. Um, but it could have been, you know, like uh, two or three years or ten years later, and we, we could have been fucked. Uh, so, um, so yeah, the timing is the difficult part. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe Nicola, can you tell us a bit um, about your platform because you managed to build a, an incredible platform, scalable platform built on Ethereum. Most NFT platform last year had so much scalability issues, gas cost issues. And you don't seem to have encountered these problems. Can you tell us why? Yeah. So we, we started on the Ethereum blockchain because it was the obvious obvious choice uh, back in the days uh, because that's where the talents are, the developers, uh, the, 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 the VC investment uh, and, and, and the, the technology was the, the most compelling one for, for many reasons, decentralization, security and so on. So we started there and then... Uh, Quickly, we got you know caught by uh, gas fees and you know, the, the the problems you mentioned. So we decided to move to uh, what we call a layer two solution, which is a scalability solution built on top of the Ethereum blockchain called Loom uh, Network. Uh, and uh, and then like it didn't work out because um, the team behind it like uh, you know didn't deliver and so on. So we we decided to move back to the Ethereum uh, blockchain. Uh, but all the moves from like one blockchain to another are very very complex like it, it takes your wall like engineering uh, bandwidth for months it's like changing the engine of a plane or whilst the plane is uh, is flying so it's re it was re really painful so we, we moved up to loom then down to uh, the Ethereum blockchain and then up again to another layer two solution called Starkware. well so we we, we 
we spent a lot of time thinking about uh, other layer 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 on uh, layer one sorry solutions like Solana and Flow and all those things, uh, but also layer two options on top of Ethereum. So we decided to go with Starcoin. Now we are very happy with it. Uh, it you know we basically we we divided by one thousand like uh, the 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 environmental impacts, uh, the gas fees, uh, and uh, and uh, and and we still get the benefits of the Ethereum ecosystem uh, and. The ability for users to move the most valuable assets uh, back to the Ethereum mansion. So we are, we are very happy with it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to, you know, to, to go too technical. So uh, yeah, let me know if that's... Yeah, that's... I was, I was going to say you guys got really technical on me. So maybe just to take a step back, actually, for the listeners. I mean, everybody has heard the name Sora, but maybe not everyone actually knows how it works. Um, Nikola, yeah. can you just walk us through from a user yeah. perspective what happens on the platform? Yeah. yeah, no, actually, like from if I want to define very simply, like it's a um, it's a platform where you can collect NFT collectibles that uh, represent football players, and uh, and we are going beyond the collectible value of these NFTs, and you can use them uh, in a game uh, every week. Uh, where your perform- so you compose a team with your NFT players. And your performance as a manager um, depends on the performance of the player on the pitch. So let's say Mbappe is, is uh, scoring two goals, you're going to have more points. Uh, and so you get ranked based on the performance of the players on the pitch. So that's basically like uh, we are we are the intersection of collectibles and gaming, basically, and fantasy gaming. So that's uh, that, that that's what we do. Um, and we, we see NFTs as... Yes, uh, a, a new asset class, a new way to collect, uh, but more importantly, uh, as a way to unlock experiences. Because you own the NFT and you can prove the ownership of the NFT, you can enter experiences, uh, being uh, the game that we are developing, the fantasy game, but also other games that are built on top of the platform but third party, by third-party developers. Um, but also physical experiences because you own this NFT, you can have a discount to go to the stadium, you can meet the player, you can access the training ground. So we do see NFTs as a way to unlock cool experiences. Wow, that does sound very cool. For someone who's like not really into football, <laughs> that actually sounds so cool. Um, just tell yeah. me a little bit about, I mean, we've we've seen the fundraising numbers. Tell us about the users. Who, how many users do you guys have? What What kind of numbers are you seeing there? Yeah, so uh, we have one. Uh, no, it's like uh, above one million uh, registered users. Um, out of them, we have I think now it's three hundred and fifty thousand that are active users, uh, and um, and we we haven't done any paid marketing so far. Like we we are lucky to have like a very organic growth, like uh, friends bringing friends. Um, at the end of the day, we want this to be the place where people spend time with their friends and that's one of the core strengths of sports like it it brings people together uh so people want to compete against their friends with their friends um and so i'm i'm a big believer in you know like product-led organic uh growth channels so we're gonna go big on that um and then in terms of geographic split we have uh so our main markets are um, Germany, France, uh, the US, the UK, Italy. Um, uh, so it's mostly US and, and, and Europe uh, and growing strong in Asia, but, but still a bit uh, lagging behind. Very impressive. 
it it sometimes all starts you know with you know one person you 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 encounter uh, or one club the first club you sign how how difficult yeah. was it for you to sign the first club who was that and and was it really for you the beginning of of, of the cycle yeah so um so I'd, I'd, in the early days you need to do things that are you know not in the books and it's not about replicating something that you know it, everything is unique to your product your company so for us signing the first deal was hard um like the world of sports and the world of football in particular is very conservative like they have been dealing with uh panini and electronic arts for the game like fifa for like the last decades and not not a lot of other partners so they don't like to they don't like to give away their brand uh easily at all um and so for us the first deal was the belgian league uh and the actually it's funny like i was having dinner with a friend uh i was struggling to you know to get this first contract done he was telling me, "Look, uh, go go uh, go chat with the Belgian. They they have an appetite for risk. Okay, it's not a, a top league, but they, they move faster and so on." And so he convinced me basically to go all in on, on them. Uh, they want my on my pipeline, but not a top priority. Uh, I want all in uh, on them, like basically uh, uh, sp spamming the the like uh, the, the, everyone on LinkedIn. Uh, at the end, an intern uh, ended up answering me. Put me in touch with uh, um, with someone in the commercial department. Managed to get a thirty minutes um, Zoom. Uh, instead of taking the, the Zoom, I, I took a train, went to Brussels, um, and so the person was not expecting me in person. Um, so uh, he was very surprised. So that was fifty percent of the of the job done. Uh, he was asking me where um, you know where I come from in Brussels. I, I told him I'm coming from Paris. That was 75% of the job done, and then uh, and then I you know I did my pitch, explained the vision back in the days. So just a PowerPoint um, and very early prototype, um, and he got like very excited about this, and um, and then he was telling me, look, uh, if you want to get this done, you need to meet the, the president and CEO of the league. Um, he, he'll be next week in Madrid for the World Football Summit. I'm sure you'll be down. Obviously, I was not, uh, you know, pre like, uh, prepared to, to go down. Like, the company was not even incorporated. And uh, I said, yes, of course, I'll be down. Uh, and um, and uh, let, let's try to set up a meeting. And yeah, long story short, um, I met I met the CEO down and we had a handshake and, uh, and that's how we got started. And then, like all all the all the like all the the next deal is a bit easier all right uh so yeah but that was the early story that's quite something not even having a company incorporated and already making deals i love it um I do want to come back to the funding. Just, I think you guys were probably, I think you're the company to have hit unicorn status the fastest in France. Um, I don't know exactly how many hundreds of millions you've raised to date. Maybe you can remind me. But I, I'm also just curious, why raise so much? What What do you need this capital for? Yeah, so I think that's... Um... So the, the, the first big reason is that um, we uh, so we created this new market, this new category, um, and so with, with the success that um, that that we're having, like last year we made more than three hundred and twenty million in sales and being profitable and so on, like that that created <coughs> competition uh, in the US in particular from uh, from from big players, and um, and we wanted to uh to win the world and not just to win football and 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 even 
going going after other sports, uh, going after other brands, and uh, <clears throat> and for that you need you, you you need to pay the leagues upfront, uh, what we call like minimum guarantees, and they they were becoming more and more expensive. And so that's that's the reason why the first reason why we we decided to go with uh, with this fundraise um, and and then obviously like um, hiring the best uh, people for 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 the company. Uh, so 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 yeah, that that's uh, yeah, th- th- those are the main reasons. Yeah. Super. And just remind us also the total amount you guys have raised to date. Um, so the total amount, so the last fundraise was 680 million, the total, and just before, uh, so that was in September last year, uh, and in February last year, we raised 50 million series A, so total is 730 million, wow. uh, approximately. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> Can you tell us what's next after soccer? What's next? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think that we, again, like, because because we we are we we have been profitable almost from the first day and we have no like this like oh like a lot of cash so we we have enough to deploy um and and to execute on you know on our vision in the coming months and even more but that being said um i think that as an entrepreneur you need to be always raising and never raising meaning that you need to you need to you need to have relationships uh, and Currently, for instance, I'm not raising, but you are always like talking to, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, interesting um, uh, potential future investors, and and then it's a matter of timing, opportunity, and and sometimes you have like some 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 crazy things that that happen, and you just cannot say no. So, um, so so yes, we are we are just like not raising at the moment, but always chatting with uh, with the best, hopefully. And and so we saw so I, I, obviously right now. Ferrari is, is in soccer, and so we saw recently that there may be an opening in tennis. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we we welcome Serena Williams to uh, as as a board advisor uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think uh, I think the main reason was not necessarily like tennis, uh, but uh, more that we we have like big plans uh, about women's sports um, about. Um, uh, diversity in general, like for the people we have and for the fans that we have, um, and uh, and uh, and we have like uh, a will to put the creators, the athletes at the center of what we do. Uh, and these are things that uh, you know, Serena is uniquely positioned to help us. Um, obviously, she's like uh, uh, she's you know an iconic uh, uh, sport athlete and, and a tennis woman, and uh, uh, and uh, and she will she will help uh, if we do decide to go <coughs> to go after tennis. Um, what we what we can announce, what we can say today is that we're going to launch two US sports uh, this year, um, uh, uh, collective sports. I mean. Uh, um, so, so, so that that's what we have, um, um, you know, like uh, in, in the in the in the pipeline. Uh, but we, we, that being said, we, we are really interested with all the top sports in the world and, and tennis included. Hmm, what collective U.S. sports could you be launching? <laughs> anyway, I think you I think you said it. I mean, you mentioned that uh, Serena uh, Williams joined your board. I mean, you have so many incredible investors also that are associated like literally all the funds i think are, are backing sarar and also uh football player antoine griezmann i'm just wondering like what what kind of conversations how do you even go about getting those people involved with your company like what had to happen 
for them to join? Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, like maybe it sounds a bit bullshit, but it's re- relationships, right? Like um, <clears throat> you need to be, I think you need you need to be clear about your vision, your ambition, uh, and 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 and, um, and you know establish relationships. Like uh, so, f- for instance, for our, our last um, round, uh, not our last round, the round before the Series A in February last year, um, we uh, so, so I, I was in touch with Jean from Kima discussing the rounds and. Um, he like uh, because we had this relationship. Uh, I had this relationship with him. He, he put me he put me in touch with uh, someone uh, who I consider probably, if if not the best investor in the world, one of the best in the world was uh, Peter Fenton at Benchmark. Uh, and uh, and and that's why that that's why I guess because of this relationship with, with with Jean and the trust he was putting in me, that he put me in touch with him. And then yes, yeah, I, I spent a meeting with Peter, and uh, uh, and um, and he decided to to invest, and so yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really like um, having those relationships, being yourself, um, being being bold about your vision and your ambition, and obviously like showing uh, like proofs that you are executing on it, uh, metrics and, and product development and so on, um, all of this. Um, and, and then it's also being very organized, I think, about the process. Like you don't want the, this process to drag because like when you are raising, you are not building your company, which is the m- most important thing. So I always had very tight processes. <clears throat> so the last one, like the Series B, even if the amount was big, like it was a matter of weeks. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, I think it's, it's yeah, it's very important to have your own timeline for for this fundraise. Like okay, you say, okay, it's going to be five weeks. Week one, uh, target the investors. Week week two, meeting one. Me, uh, week two, meeting two, decision. Week three, time sheet. Week four, five, you close. So that's that's very important, I think. Um, and that that's the way you can then go back to what matters, like hiring people, building product, growing product. Super. That's a very fast fundraise. Um, I'm also just curious, though, like when you when you work with someone like Serena Williams or Antoine Griezmann, are they also as metrics driven as the other investors? I think that the angels in general uh, and athletes investors in particular, obviously, you need to show them metrics and they get them. And, you know, an athlete like Serena or uh, Gerard Piquet in the world of football or Antoine Griezmann, they get that because they are athletes, but entrepreneurs. And, uh, but but they, you need you need they need more they, they need a connection with the product. They need a connection with your values. They need a connection with your vision. Uh, even more maybe than uh, uh, institutional institutional sorry investors. I bet. Um, I had I had one question around uh, around the metaverse. Could could we could we potentially one day actually use our cards in the metaverse? Is it something that you 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 have in mind? Yes, I, I think that's a, like uh, depending on how you define the metaverse. That's a, that's already something that that that's happening right now. Like you can you can move um, uh, your cards to uh, third party games, experiences built uh, on top um, of uh, uh, what we are what we are doing. So side games. You can move them uh, in, uh, in in walls like the central land and so on. Um, and um, I'm very excited about this because uh, one of the key features of these NFTs are uh, portability. Like you know, in, in the in, in the in the old world, like you buy something in the in a video game, 
um, and um, and there's like uh, dozens of billions of dollars that are being spent for in-game digital assets uh, every year, but uh, you don't really own these items. You you cannot move them away. You cannot trade them, um, and so you are locked into these ecosystems. And uh, and I, I think that 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 that's really bad for 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 the users for the fans um and in 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 this new world you can you are free you truly own them so you are you are you are free to move them away um and 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 that's so exciting for the fans because they they can do so much more so wait a second bear with me does it mean that one day i can buy a ferrari car with a mbappe black card that i actually bought on Sol on Sorare? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So this type of experience, I mean, the, the one you described, not sure, uh, exists today. But but yes, you can, like, um, I'm, I'm sure you have seen that Twitter <coughs> enabled the fact that you can bring your uh, NFT as a profile picture and, and then it takes a different shape <coughs> because it's an NFT and it's verified. Uh, so that that's a simple use case. But but yes, you have like much more exciting stuff that that, that will be developed uh, um, in the coming months and years. And we have like uh, dozens of small teams uh, building on top of what we are doing, like small teams of designers, engineers, or, or bigger groups and gaming studios that are developing these experiences where you're going to expand, um, you know, the, yeah, the experiential value of your NFT. I feel like I lost you guys in the future. You went so far ahead. <laughs> But it means that, you know, any web-free company is a fintech potentially tomorrow. And that, that's something that I think you, uh, people need to, need to understand. And, and that's exactly what you, what you just said, Nicola. I think that that's um, because you, because you because you give power back to the funds because you enable them to uh, to trade the, these items. Uh, <clears throat> yes, uh, but what I think what we are describing is is even bigger than that. Is like uh, the the ability to use um, your game items or your digital uh, items the the way you want and move them in different experiences. So it's It is about bringing power back, power that was lost uh, in the digital world, but power that you have in the physical world. Like if you buy an artwork, if you buy a digital, uh, like a physical card, you are free to to move it, right? Like uh, where you want and to show it to, to to who you want. That that was a bit lost, uh, at least in the gaming industry, and and this is something we want to uh, to, to to enable again. Okay, well, you guys went way forward. I'm going to bring you back. <laughs> um, so, Nicola, you actually started out the, the podcast by, by telling us a little bit about your background and what you had done before. So this is not your first company, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, I started my career in consulting, um, spent four years down, then uh, with a partner of the consulting firm called Eurogroup, uh, Um, I co-founded a company called La Javanese. Basically, it was um, it was a, uh, it was a kind of startup accelerator where uh, we had B 2 B startups and we were trying to match them with needs uh, of big corporates. Um, did that one year and then uh, then then that was my jump in the crypto world. So that that was in 15. Uh, I I joined. Um, as an early employee, uh, a company called Stratum um, uh, that I, I just described at the beginning of, of, of this podcast, uh, spent two years and a half there and, and then uh, co-founded Sora. Super. And just from your different experiences, 
Tell me what's been something that you've learned that you'd like to share with our audience, especially potentially just to gear it a little bit. Maybe people who are starting out a company today, they want to build something as meaningful as Sarar. Um, what do you feel that you've learned that you can share with them? <clears throat> I, th- I think that the most important thing um, is people um, and starting with your co-founders. And... Um, so I've seen a lot of mistakes uh, in some of the companies where uh, I like the, where, where I was or where I've been uh, in touch with. So you, there's nothing that replaces trust. <clears throat> so you need to trust your um, co-founders, and trust can become can come from time that you have spent with with them, your family. If you want to start a company with uh, with your family, I don't know if it's a good idea, but that that's that's a trust uh, for sure. Uh, so it starts with your co-founders, like being very, uh, yeah, very comfort, like having a lot of trust in, in them, and uh, and being very clear about who's doing what, uh, like uh, like very clear boundaries about who's deciding about what. That I think that's first, and then, um, and then, and, and most of the companies fail not because of market or product or whatever they 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 fail because <clears throat> because of the funding team, and uh, or, or the association, the way it's set up, and so on, uh, and um, and then uh, then it's about hiring uh, and um, and you know hiring the first ten people and every bad hire in the um, you know in the, in in the early days. Uh, can kill the company <clears throat> and so you always have this tension about yeah i need to i need to have fast you know it's burning like um um i i, I need this engineer or this designer or the, or the but and, and and so and and so and so sometimes you are pushed to hire whatever it takes and and then you go too fast and you are not um disciplined disciplined enough about um who you need and and the process and meeting enough candidates and and you make this mistake and this could be fatal to to your company so 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 yeah people people is 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 really really important uh the funding team uh or you think about it and uh, or you think about hiring as well i couldn't agree with you more i'm actually curious to hear clarice what's what's your opinion you guys are quite a few co-founders starting out as well what is what's your reaction to that it's key, I think, and and I actually started by hiring the wrong co-founders, and I lost six months into it, and 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 then after build the right team, and you go much faster once you are well surrounded, and and we always say we we don't really care where people are, we hire t- talent first, people that also fit fit with our culture, and yeah, I think that's the we're nothing but just a group of people united around one single mission, so people is the definitely most important hundred yeah. percent. And Nicola, just to kind of follow up, you mentioned trust quite a few times, but how do you build trust? Do you have something specific that you're doing, a way to test it, a way to build it and nurture it? No, it's hard. Uh, I don't have like, I think a very good question, uh, answer <clears throat> to that to this one. Um, um, it's, um, as I said earlier, I think it's either time or a specific connection like family. For me, it was time. Uh, I spent two years and a half <clears throat> with... Um, um, with my co-founder Adrien, like we were employee number one and two in our previous company, and um, and so we we had enough time uh, to work together. To you know, we were like Adrien has built the engineering team. I was uh, building uh, the sales and marketing and operation team, and uh, 
Um, and so we, we, we went together through ups and downs, which is, uh, you know, the more important to see how, how you, you know, how your relationship is evolving when things get difficult. Uh, and so, and so this time, um, um, gave us the confidence um, that we we share the same philosophy of work, the same value, the same principles, and um, and and so yes, so that's that's uh, that that's time and spending time, uh, you know, like on the field, uh, uh, and even when I met when I meet sorry uh, younger entrepreneurs, like sometimes some of them are. Um, still uh, doing their studies, uh, there's always ways to test that. Like uh, <clears throat> you can you can do a small project together. Like there's always ways to um, to spend time together on the field rather than you know having a coffee and say okay yeah this is a this is a good idea I want to do it with you. Like that's not enough. You need to do more. I think uh, and um, and so so yeah there, I think nothing replaces uh, time. I can share a tip. I tried my husband for that. So just to make sure that, uh, <laughs> That's that true. That He's your co-founder. <laughs> um, actually, you know, in France, failure is a failure is a taboo. It's 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 a bad word. Yeah. When you cross the Atlantic, failure is an achievement. If you fail, that means you've yeah. tried. Can you share with us, you know, something that was a mistake or failure, and and how you you were transformed from it, and and why it it make you you know have such a stellar path with uh, with Sorar. Yeah, I mean, so, so I'm I'm still making uh, like a lot of uh, mistakes, and uh, um, and uh, and and I did a lot in uh, with my previous company, um, and um, I think I, I think so, something that that uh, that was cool was I, I was lucky to be one of these early employee in in my previous company, <clears throat> and and from from there. Um, um you see very closely like the you know the early days of a company so you learn a lot you see the funding team uh and um and and, and we, we did we, we all did like um, a lot of mistakes uh, like hiring too fast and not being uh, obsessed enough with hiring and uh, being too confused about the product roadmap willing to do too many things um and you know, like all, all the stuff uh, we did, and um, and um, at the end, um, when I decided to um, to to start around, like uh, with Adrien, we decided to you know do this kind of um, uh, recap of what we learned from this experience, and so we started with a document uh, with, you know, everything that we learned uh, from, 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 from the past and how we, we're going to not to, uh, like, how we're going to grow from, from here uh, when building around. And, uh, um, and uh, yeah, someday I need to spend time to um, make it a blog post or, or something. Probably there's some stuff that could be interesting for, for, for entrepreneurs. Excellent. Or maybe a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Nicola, you've shared so much with us. Um, before we finish this podcast, I'd love to know, do you have any advice, tips, or even questions for Clarice, who is also starting out with an, an incredible company that I think we'll definitely hear about in the upcoming months and years? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm very intrigued, and I love to learn more about uh, what what you're doing, Clarice, and uh, and for instance, like what could be like um like an application for a company um, 
like us uh so, so yeah i love to learn that maybe my only advice would be like to be focused on uh one group of users or customers i don't know if you think about uh like your 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 potential uh customers but trying to be focused and iterating on on different groups but not all at the same time uh but yes very keen to to learn more about what what, what you are doing with uh, with defense thank you so much nicola does that mean that i get a lunch but yeah no and i think you, you obviously you, you're right and it's something that's very difficult to do especially when you're when you work and you develop in in in, in such environment where you have innovation coming up every six months so you could be you know focused into crypto and then nft and then it's very easy to just yeah, lose yourself exactly. so you're right i think it's a it's a it's an amazing tip Can I can I ask a one yeah. last crypto geeky question? <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, right now, NFTs are you know not regulated, but maybe one day you know uh, uh, regulations globally will change. At the end of the day, you are also uh, uh, safekeeping values for these NFTs. Is it something you're scared of? Is it something you've prepared? What what's your view on that? No, this is um, this is something I embrace. Uh, this is something that uh, you know, like you you need to be proactive because when you are creating uh, a new a new category, a new market, um, like Airbnb did or, or Uber or whatever of this company, so you you have no box that that is fitting uh, your new product, and so you need to engage with regulators. You need to 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 answer your their question. Uh, and and explain what you are doing and how it's different from the existing models um, and 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 together like uh, you know uh, try to to bring to the best outcome for the fans for the users uh, and uh, and um, and so now I, I, we we are in this phase of engaging uh, you know we, we with them and and trying to define what's best I think that it takes time so I don't have the answer I don't know you know how, how it's going to end up but it's important to be in these conversations to engage and. Uh, And, uh, and 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 to be yeah to be to be open about it and is the french ecosystem a, a great ecosystem for that are you happy to be you know evolving in france yeah i, I think i think that we uh, you know in, in the um, in the crypto space in general and uh, nft in particular like uh, we, we are uh, that that's that's a good place to to build like for for nft companies uh like us it's, it's still very early days there's nothing specific so again like it's no different from the other jurisdictions like we we are engaging and uh and 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 let's see uh you know let's see how it uh, takes shapes in the in the coming years but uh uh but but yes it's uh i, I would say it's early days and uh we are not in a in, in a worse position than, uh, than other countries i would say from a from a regulation standpoint Super. Well, I think we're definitely going to have to stay tuned and see what happens uh, in this space with Sorar, with Defense. I want to thank you both uh, for this great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Roxanne. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This podcast is supported by TikTok. If you like this episode, make sure to leave us many, many stars. We are available on all your usual podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Deezer. And if you have any speaker requests, feel free to ping us on Twitter or at press at stationf.co.